Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. On a Friday, we are getting you through your weekend here with part two of the Orange and Brown Talk awards show. long-awaited part two of the Orange and Brown Talk Awards show. We did this a couple weeks ago. We had part one, and then we took a little break from the awards. We had some other things to talk about, and now we're back handing out our second set of awards. So Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock, and these are the awards we are handing out today. The most likely player to break out in 2023, the best offseason acquisition. Actually, no, we changed it. Best overall acquisition last year was best offseason acquisition, the worst roster move, and the defining moment. So those are the awards that we are going to give out today. Um, We already handed out MVP, most disappointing rookie of the year, and most improved. And if you want to hear those awards, go back and listen to that podcast. It's in our feed on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It'll give you something else to listen to in your first weekend without football. Let's get to it. We're going to nominate for each award, and then we are going to name a winner. Most likely player to break out in 2023. We nailed this one last year. Um, And we had kind of, well, okay, we got to talk about something. We had most of the right nominees uh, when it comes to the most likely player to break out. Grant Delpit was the winner. JOK did get nominated. Martin Emerson also got nominated. And Ashley, Perrion Winfrey <laughs> was also nominated for this award by you. We just, we got to put it out. Yeah. Trust I, like, I, I, I want to go back and listen and figure out when I went because there are situations where it's like better if I went last and was simply searching for a name for the sake of conversation. If I went first, I don't have an excuse for myself. <laughs> um, yeah, that was bad. Like I said, I teased it at the end of, at the end of uh, the first part of the award show. I don't know. I can tell you what we were thinking, right? We were saying, well, he could be, could make that jump because Jim Schwartz is here now. We're all about deep linemen. Obviously couldn't have predicted the off the field stuff that transpired, but I'm guessing that that's where my thinking was as I was searching for a name to nominate. Well, I will say this. I I don't remember how I wrote these down. You are listed first though, uh, among the nominees, (laughs) among the people who nominated you also, there's a slash here with miles. There's a a slash here with miles Garrett. So he won defensive player of the year. Yeah, so I remember that narrative, right? Like we talked about that a lot last year. Once they hired Jim Schwartz, we're like, maybe Miles will just be the most improved and take his game to the next level, even though he's already really good. I remember that whole discussion that we had semi-regularly after Jim was hired. Okay, most likely player to break out in 2024. Mary Kay, who do you like for this category? Well, you know what? We are probably going to rename this the Ashley Award. And <laughs> and I will probably win the Ashley Award for 2023 um, because I am going with um, Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson really hasn't had his breakout year yet for the Cleveland Browns. And if I think if he comes back healthy from this shoulder injury, and of course, that's a big if, we don't know. I can't find any precedence for it anywhere. 
But I think if he comes back healthy, I think he's going to have a big year. And I think he's going to prove to everybody that he is still a really, really good quarterback. And I know there's a lot of question about that right now. So I, I think he's going to do it. I think that he will uh, flourish under whatever uh, Kevin and Ken, uh, the, the double K, K squared has cooked up for him. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's got Amari, he's got David. I think they'll add to the pile and uh, he's, he'll be protected well. We know that. And as long as he is healthy, I think he's going to have a nice big year. So this is sort of along the lines of Miles Garrett breaking out, right? Like a really talented player kind of reaching that level of talent. Um, no, kind of reaching that so. ceiling in a way. I don't, don't think, think so. Because, so? No, because Miles was coming off of two back-to-back 16-sack seasons. And he didn't need to – like his ceiling wasn't way higher than what – it could possibly be. It wasn't, he did not have much higher to go than that. So Deshaun has way higher to go from the last two seasons. That's fair. Um, But I I guess I was just thinking as far as in terms of a breakout, like we've sort of seen what the ceiling of Deshaun want, like we've seen what that can look like. And so it's kind of a getting back to that, but with miles, it it wasn't a getting back to that either. So yeah, that's, that's true. Um, Okay. I like this one. That's that's a good one. Ashley, what did you have? I'm going to go with a guy who was actually nominated last year as well, but I'm actually doing a post on this now because did you guys know PFF does a massive list for every team, the most likely player to break out every year? I know I wrote about it last year. They picked Martin this, Emerson Jr. This feels like cheating. How is it cheating? I'm writing about it right now. It's just it's, a coincidence, okay. Dan. Okay. Gosh, I'm just getting a post up on it with their argument and why, you know, it's it's maybe a little bit different than what some people are expecting, but I see the vision there. Um, I'm going to go with JOK again. And I think a big part of that is like, did we see him take a leap? Yes. Especially towards the end of the year, it felt like things were coming together for him. But the great point I think that they make is they weren't necessarily relying on him as that every snap, every down kind of backer until about week 10. I think that's like, Right around the time Anthony Walker Jr. gets hurt again, he was dealing with his knee injury and, and all that. Obviously, he didn't finish out the year. But he played about 65% of the team's defensive snaps prior to that point, according to PFF. And then after Week 10 on, he played about 86% of their snaps. And he finished as their 20th highest graded linebacker in the NFL for the year. So I think to me, it's like, okay, I think you can qualify that as taking a jump if he can play those same number of snaps. Let's say they shake up the linebacker room a little bit. Maybe Anthony Walker's not back um, from what we know. Maybe Sione Takitaki, another guy who was on a one-year deal. There's potential for that room to look different, but maybe JOK next season truly becomes the top dog in that room. So I'd like to nominate him here for the second straight year. Okay, well, I'm relieved because I thought you were going to steal my answer, and I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go there. So um, I take back any slander about potential cheating on the part of Ashley in nominating for this award. Um, so J- these, are, these are both really good. And what's interesting with what Ashley said and what I said is I think we're both going to talk about players who certainly did make jumps last season but still can be even better this coming season, and that's why I'm going to nominate Martin Emerson. Uh, because I think Martin Emerson, we saw this year, his potential in this Jim Schwartz man-to-man heavy scheme. 
We saw, you know, what he's capable of. He started forcing some turnovers. That potential was starting to get reached. You're starting to talk about him now as a draft steal, finding him in the third round. Like he's playing like a first round pick in a lot of ways. So I think there's still more for Martin Emerson to show us. And I think he will continue to do that. So I'm going to nominate Martin Emerson for this award. So Mary Kay, you've heard two other nominees. What do you think of those? I think those are both really good. I mean, I could, and you guys make great arguments. Uh, I think there's also an honorable mention here that I thought of uh, for someone that none of us mentioned. Um, so if you guys want me to throw his name out to just for fun, I could do that. Let's, let's but, throw out all the names. We let's throw out as many names as we can. Yeah. I mean, I thought Elijah Moore might be able to also fit in this category because we thought uh, that he was going to have a really big season and um, I still think the potential is there. I think that when you pair him with Deshaun Watson for the season, that you know he might kind of jump off the page a little bit more than he was able to do last year. We heard so much about him all offseason. And it didn't quite go the way that any of us expected, I think in part because he had so many different quarterbacks to work with. And in the beginning, they were kind of trying to uh, do the, the wide back thing with him a little bit. And you know, I think once they hone in on what he can do really well, and figure out ways to get him the ball and especially uh, get him more active in the red zone and the end zone. I think he has the potential to have a nice season, but I think we've got some really, really good candidates here. And I don't know how we're going to decide on, on one because uh, I think you can make a case for, for any one of these. I mean, I, you know, we'll stick with the three that, you know, that we nominated first, but um, you know, I, I really think that um, all of them are really good choices. I will say in the past, we've talked ourselves into names that we haven't nominated. So I think Elijah Moore is, is up for this if, if we want to talk ourselves into that. I do think that's a good that's a good option. Um, and with Elijah, there's still a lot to prove. And just, you know, he's kind of in the camp with a lot of other guys who, for whatever reason, it didn't work for them until Joe Flacco showed up. And mm-hmm. he had his he had his two best receiving games after Joe Flacco arrived. Now, obviously, they were together with the Jets. That that could explain that a little bit. Um, he was on pace for a really great game against the Jets before he left that game in, in the set in the first half, second quarter. Um, so, I think Elijah Moore is is an interesting choice here because I think the Browns kind of need him to break out a little bit next year. Now, that, they might add a receiver, which kind of lessens the him it kind of lessens what they need from him, but I still think they need him to do more than he did for them um, this past season. So I'll tell you where I stand. I'm kind of, it's just hard for me. I understand the case for Deshaun Watson, but it's just hard for me to vote for it because I have to convince myself, I guess that it's actually going to happen so I can see how it happens, but because of the unprecedented nature of it, it's hard for me it's hard for me to vote for him as most likely to break out. That doesn't mean there isn't a case. And that doesn't mean that I'm wrong and that you two can't outvote me on this one. But for me, I I think if I have to vote, I might stick with my guy, Martin here. That might be my, that might be my final vote. Ashley now with Elijah Moore in the mix Deshaun, where do you want to go with this? It's tough because I think Elijah and Deshaun to me are like chicken and egg almost. Like I think Elijah Moore, the whole point, Mary Kay, you brought this up, of them bringing him here is he was supposed to be a really good option for Deshaun Watson. So I think like in order for Elijah to make a jump, a big jump, Deshaun also needs to make a big jump. And I think this is where we get into the little bit of the weeds about 
you know, categorizing the height of the jump, so to speak. I think based on what we've seen from Deshaun, he has the highest jump to potentially successfully make, right? Like we've talked about Martin Emerson and JOK as guys who have already made a pretty big step in their development. We're talking about maybe refining that. But it is hard for me, and I, I genuinely don't know. Like, I could see myself voting for any of these guys still right now. Um, Dan, because of what you were saying, like, it's because of this idea of the unprecedented nature of the injury. How confident am I in the jump he will make? I don't, I don't know if I'm super confident because we just don't know what that full recovery is going to look like. But if he does make it, I think it is undoubtedly the, like, biggest jump of any of these guys we've listed to me. So he would be worthy of that. Yeah, I mean, if if he if he becomes that guy again, he's you know when we do this show next year, he's going to win MVP. He's going to win Most Improved. He's going to he might win Most Likely to Break Out again. Who knows? But um, that, like that upside is there. We all know about the upside. We've we've talked about it a ton. We're going to talk about it more. I just I don't know. I'm still really cynical about it. Um, but Mary Kay, do you want to make one more push for Deshaun, or do you want to vote for one of these other guys? Well, I understand what you're saying. I really do understand what you're saying because we we can't say with any conviction that we know that this is going to happen. If he didn't have a broken bone in his shoulder and he was coming off of a high ankle sprain, then I would 100% say it's going to be Deshaun. We are going to, he is going to make the biggest leap out of anybody on this roster. And I would say it and I would believe it. But I do think that there is enough uncertainty about the shoulder that we, we just can't say for sure. But I'm, I think I'm going to stick with it. I, I still think that that's how it's going to play out. So I don't really want to go away from that. So I'm going to have to let you guys figure out where we're going to go with this. <laughs> so, Ashley, you're kind of like, I, I guess, did you vote? Who, who did you decide to vote for there? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm still leaning towards JOK because that's the guy <laughs> I nominated. So I don't know. But if I, if I have to break a tie between Martin and Deshaun, like maybe I'll just take myself because I really am so torn. Like, right. I think we might never get past this if we're looking for a genuine unanimous decision. So if I'm going to be the tiebreaker on this, I think I will vote Deshaun Watson um, just because I think Martin has already been so amazing. And like, I'm hypothesizing that, okay, for this scenario, for me making a pick, I'm going to assume that Deshaun is going to recover beautifully from this fractured glenoid bone. And if he does that, I just think the jump he's making is going to be higher. It's nothing against Martin. I think he's going to take, you know, that next developmental step in his career as well next year. There we go. Democracy in action right there. <laughs> uh, so Deshaun Watson wins our player most likely to break out awards. So that kind of makes up for the the most the most disappointing award that he got in the in the first part of this podcast okay we're gonna move on we edited this award a little bit and i think it was the right thing to do best acquisition this feels really obvious but i there's enough to talk about here there's enough nominees to throw out that i still think we can spend time kind of talking about some of the acquisitions that the browns made um so ashley you get to go first here. Are you going to take the obvious? Oh Is there some other yeah. direction you're well, going to go? I here? Think, Best acquisition. I think there's two obvious guys for this, but I think I'm going to take the more obvious, I guess, of the two, and I'm going to go with Joe Flacco. I mean, they don't make the playoffs without Joe Flacco. They got so lucky 
that no one had called Joe Flacco midway through the season, that they were able to go out and sign him after Deshaun Watson got hurt. We've said it ad nauseum. There's no way they make the playoffs, I don't think, if you have to rely on DTR and P.J. Walker, some combination of those two guys, just from an experience factor, from what we saw with their sort of you know inability to consistently move the ball down the field. There's no way you make the playoffs if Joe Flacco doesn't come out and play the way he did. Obviously, the NFL's comeback player of the year. We talked about that at length last week. And I'll always sit there and say, think of about when we were in the SoFi Stadium press box and Dan, you were like, what's Joe Flacco going to do? Come out and throw for 250 yards? And he like did that the next eight or nine weeks. I don't know however long it was <laughs> after that. But we will never stop giving you a hard time about that because he threw for like 350 yards sometimes. Even. And I think he heard you that day. Yeah, you know, that was a little uh, old takes exposed right there. <laughs> Believe me, my my life is full of old takes exposed like that. So that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg right there with all the stuff I've gotten wrong. Go ahead, Mary Kay. It qualifies for biggest miss of the year, which is Probably. our last uh, which, which is our last <laughs> category here today. No, just kidding. We won't do that to you, but we had we did have a little bit of fun with that along the way. Dan was like, "What do you think he's going to do? Come in off the couch and throw for <laughs> 250 yards or 300 yards or whatever. But anyway, so we have, we've had plenty of, of laughs over that one. So Ashley made the case for Joe Flacco. Um, I'll go with the other one here. I'll, I'll take this other one, Dustin Hopkins, right? That's the other really obvious one. Um, if Joe Flacco wasn't brought in, maybe Dustin Hopkins is the easy winner of this award. We all remember, we all remember how all that played out. Kate York, kept missing kicks. You couldn't go into this season and it, it turned out to be right. You couldn't go into this season, not feeling good about your kicker because it was going to come back to haunt you if you, if you did. And it's hard to imagine that Indianapolis game, you know, Cade York running in, in Baltimore and having to kick that game winning kick, whatever it was, there were just too many instances where you would have been leaving your fate on the foot of Cade York and you couldn't do that anymore. So I think it was a credit to Andrew Barry to admit defeat, give up a draft pick, a guy that, that, you know, obviously he doesn't like to do that. I thought the way he did it, instead of waiting for Dustin Hopkins to get cut, he went and made a trade for him. He used one of those late late draft picks that he likes to uh, to acquire um, to send it out to bring in Dustin Hopkins. I think just everything about the Dustin Hopkins acquisition was fantastic, Mary Kay. And his injury at the end, it ended up not costing them because they didn't need to have a game-winning kick, but that could have ended up as one of the biggest injuries had they beaten the Texans um, and moved on in the playoffs if Dustin had not been able to come back by then. That that could have loomed very large. So I think Dustin Hopkins is, again, another fairly obvious nominee here. Great nominee. I mean, my goodness, if they had not pulled that rabbit out of the hat with Joe Flacco, this would be such a no-brainer. I mean, Dustin Hopkins, we've said it so many times, they would not have made the playoffs without Dustin Hopkins. So he's right up there. It's almost like it's one and then one A. Uh, he was tremendous, did so many cool things that, um, you know, again, they, they just wouldn't have had those victories. So he's a great choice. He just happens to land in a year when, um, you know, where, where Joe is going to overshadow him, I believe. Do you have anyone else that, that we should add to this list? I mean, I'm looking through the roster and again, in a more normal year, we could have some fun making cases for 
a guy like a Kareem Hunt or, you know, Shelby Harris or Mo Hurst or one of these other like smaller acquisitions. Um, I, I don't know though. There's no one else that really stands out to me. I mean, like Zadarius Smith maybe would be in the discussion otherwise, because he did have a nice season, but I just, I don't think there's a case there for even a guy like that. One of their most prominent acquisitions. So, I mean, is there anyone else, Mary Kay? No, there's, there's really not. I mean, these are the, the two obvious ones and I don't even think it's going to be a tough choice, obviously for us between these two. I think these are the ones and, um, and we don't have to spend a whole ton of time on this category. We well, really don't. I, I oh, would say, ahead. though, the one, it's an unconventional, so we don't have to throw this guy in there. But the way that it's written out on the original, the screenshot you sent us, Dan, is best offseason acquisition. It does not specify player. So for me, we could include Jim Schwartz in there if we really wanted to. He technically was an offseason acquisition. He just was not a player. But I don't think we should. I think we should keep it to players. But I think those are like the three guys when I think about this season as a whole. And you could add Bubba Ventrone in there as well. Like those are the four guys that you look at. You're like, wow, they really made tangible differences and helped this team win games. That's a very Doug-like throw in at the end that's like like (laughs) honestly i'm glad you i'm glad you jumped in and said that because that would be that would be the other one and you're right it doesn't specify player um so yeah jim schwartz and we've talked about it he might have been their most important offseason acquisition jim schwartz so i it's i i'm not gonna vote for him but i'm glad he's on our nominee list i think he I, i think he belongs on there i think that's a good catch mary Kay. what i mean what do you what do you think of it Oh, <laughs> sorry. I was going to say, that was Ashley. <laughs> no, that was a good think... catch by Ashley. What do you think of America? I know there we call go. ourselves the Olsen twins, but the good thing for Dan is we really don't look that much alike. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's fantastic. I think it's, I think it's great. I'm so glad that, um, that Ashley came up with this at the end there. It is a little bit of a, of a Doug like throw in at the end. It's thinking outside of the box, which I think is so very important, uh, you know, for any kind of situation like this. I love it. I love, it made me think, I mean, there's, it's food for thought and uh, yeah, I, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, if she kept talking, you know, I could have been probably talked into it, but um, you know, I should have felt think... more strongly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think we, I think we kind of have our guy. But um, but this was certainly very interesting. I like it. Okay, Joe. We don't even need to go around the horn. Joe Flacco is the best acquisition by the Cleveland Browns um, of the twenty twenty three season. And I, I, I think part of it too goes back to the idea that even with Jim Schwartz in the fold, they weren't making the playoffs if Joe Flacco didn't come writing in to, to save them and do what I said he could never do. So Joe Flacco, best acquisition <laughs> of last season. We're going to take a break. We've still got worst roster move, defining moment, and biggest miss here on the Orange or Brown Talk Awards show. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk, part two of our awards show. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. So it's actually my turn to go first, but I don't want to go first because Mary Kay kind of wanted this category edited a little bit. 
she wanted it changed to worst roster move. And I'm I'm curious as to why. I want to know what Mary Kay's thinking. So I don't want to wait. I want to know what, what you have in mind here, Mary Kay, for worst roster what, move. What I have in mind here for the worst roster move is um, it could be tied to an actual roster move. But the worst roster move, worst roster decision in my mind was not having a veteran backup quarterback. It could have cost them the playoffs this season. It would have cost them the playoffs this season had they once again not pulled the rabbit out of the hat and landed Joe Flacco, who had way more left, way more left in the tank than anybody thought possible. So I'm going with this as my worst offseason roster move. And it's really it really wasn't just trading away Joshua Dobbs. It's more than that. It's the it's not having that veteran QB on your roster. Okay. I do want to reset here real quick. I want to say um our best um our worst offseason acquisition last year was Jadavian Clowney. So Clowney cleaned up last year, by the way, with these bad awards. Um <laughs> and, and the reason I bring that up is because like that was such an obvious answer. The two nominees were Deshaun Watson and, and Jadavian Clowney. Look, there might have been some others. Maybe I didn't write them all down, but Clowney was the winner. Um, and it was so obvious. Like, yes, that was it. And I'm thinking about some of the acquisitions that have been, that were made last offseason that just didn't work out, right? And and some of these are still unwritten. Elijah Moore didn't work out. Um, Juan Thornhill didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Marquise Goodwin didn't work out, but like, I, I don't know if those, those to me just don't qualify as like worst, worst roster moves or worst acquisitions or worst. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of one, Ashley, that's like not what Mary Kay said. And I'm just not sure. Like if there's one, I mean, there were bad moves and there were moves that didn't work and moves we can be critical of, but if we're just going to throw a worst roster move, worst, acquisition whatever it is there's not one that i'm like oh that was terrible that just absolutely bottomed out i totally agree i mean even those guys i think that we look at and they underperformed it's like okay elijah moore underperformed for what you wanted him to do but like who were you going to get with that second round pick that was going to come in and be better than him and have more potential than him i don't know safety same thing. Juan Thornhill was hurt. I think guys in that locker room liked him. But, like, what was your option? Were you going to stick with JJ3? Like, he wasn't even a starter when he went to L.A. this year. You know, I think his kind of trajectory at this point is obvious. So, like, Marquise Goodwin, he had this, you know, really unfortunate off-the-field stuff he was dealing with, with the blood clots that I think really, you know, impacts a guy, even when you're a veteran, when you have to miss all of training camp. So, I agree. It's like, it feels like none of those guys are the right like pick for me it feels like the worst roster move is a lack of a roster move and the only other one I can even think of along the lines of what Mary Kay said which I I will just second Mary Kay's nomination now but like for the sake of conversation I was also thinking along the lines of not getting another veteran receiver aka not getting DeAndre Hopkins I think that still would have been nice so it's more a lack of what they did more than anything they did which I think is like a good spot to be in as a team yeah so so Mary I'm curious what you think of that about that because like I'm really I'm sitting here scrolling the roster and I'm not just trying to play nice here I mean I really can't think of a move it to me it's different the idea of a move not working out and then a move being just like a worst roster move I feel like those are different. 
And so, like, it's hard for me to sit here and say, like, well, Juan Thornhill wasn't the player you wanted him to be last year. Okay, but that wasn't your worst roster move. Like, Marquise Goodwin, again, had the blood clots, just never quite got on the same page with his quarterbacks. I, I, I think... I mean, look, I think we're going to end up saying backup quarterback's the answer, but are, are we missing anything else? I just can't think of an egregious, like, man, they really screwed that up type of move. No, and this is such a smart front office that you're not going to find many of those kinds of things. I mean, they work really hard on this, and they're really good at their job. So, you you know, you're just not going to find many of those. I mean, Jadavian Clowney was an anomaly, really. Um, so I actually think that going forward, we are going to have to keep this at worst offseason roster move instead of worst offseason acquisition. Um, it, you know, we'll, we'll see how we feel about that going forward. But I think that'll that'll give us an opportunity to, you know, maybe it's next year that they, you know, that they didn't add another pass rusher or something like that. Um, so I, I kind of like the category this way. And I, I really think that even more so, and you can make a case for, you know, some other positions that they did not acquire, like receiver and whatnot. Uh, but I still think not having that veteran quarterback on the roster, I mean, because look, if you had had that person, then you would have potentially been able to plug him in to the Baltimore game in Cleveland, right? And that could have cost you, you know, that, that game could have cost you the playoffs this season. And again, they pulled out of a tailspin with it and saved the day with Joe Flacco. But it was not the right move, and I do not think that they will do that again going forward. Every GM is going to miss. The best GMs in the game are going to miss. And it's just like, I don't remember when they signed Juan Thornhill thinking, man, that was really questionable. And, you know, like JJ3, it was sort of the same thing. It didn't work out, but I don't remember thinking, man, that was questionable. With Clowney, it always felt a little bit like you're playing a dangerous game counting on Jadavian Clowney. I'm like, I'm really curious what Baltimore is going to do. Like, are they going to bring Clowney back? Are they going to? They probably will. But then what is he going to do in year two there? Is he going to buck that trend? So, yeah, I, I think this is the answer. The worst roster move is a move they didn't make. They didn't address backup quarterback. And especially because it came became so glaringly obvious, like the minute the minute the move got exposed, they couldn't even fake it for like a week or two. It was just glaringly obvious that day against Baltimore. Um, so this is, this is important. They're going to have to figure this out. They're going to have to learn from this and make sure that they, they don't go into next year with Dorian Thompson Robinson um, as their primary backup. So that's, that's one of their priorities. Okay. One more break here. And then we're going to get to two of my favorite categories, the defining moment and the biggest miss. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock. Okay, defining moment of this season. I like these. These are fun. Uh, who's going first here? I had Mary, Mary Kay, you've gone first. Okay, I'm going to go first. How do we define moment, by the way, for the defining moment? Like, 
How long can a moment be? I think it's a pretty loose definition. Okay. I have a feeling where you're going with this. I'm thinking of a couple different directions. I think it's like worth it to make this a little broader. Like it doesn't have to be a specific play. It can be something bigger than a play okay. to me. So to me, the defining moment, and if you guys want to throw a flag on this and say, nope, that's too much. The defining moment starts in the second half against Baltimore. And it ends when Deshaun Watson is declared out for the season. Because to me, that's like, that's like a great TV show, right? That's a great like season finale or the ending of a TV show. Like everything is going right. It finally happened. Finally, after a year and a half, we saw Deshaun Watson look like Deshaun Watson. The Browns had their quarterback. They beat Baltimore. Oh my God, they might go win the division. And then the episode ends with, Deshaun Watson being out for the season. And now you're right back where you were. And like, what are they going to do? So that to me is my defining moment. I'm kind of taking the second half of Baltimore and then pairing it with Deshaun Watson being ruled out for the season because, and listen, maybe that's not the defining moment because they went on to make the playoffs and they finished 11 and five. So maybe that's the argument against it. To me, that's, that's one of those moments though, that I think defined this season. Can so, I make the argument? Well, mm-hmm. my initial reaction was these are two separate moments. <laughs> like, I think you're trying to get two picks in one, and that's fine. I that's might a be. Great strategy. Um, I do, I do appreciate how you laid it all out, though. So, you've, you've actually kind of convinced me to get off of the technicality here a little bit. I don't know. Mary Kay, what do you think? I don't have a huge problem with putting them together like that. And I think it's really interesting and I think it's cool. And once again, I like thinking outside of the box. So I like it as a nomination. Um, It it really made me think, you know, it it really made me think. And again, once again, if you keep talking about it, I could get myself there. I mean, I have something else, but I, I like where you're going with this. Okay. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to sneak that through. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You do make a really, it is compelling to obviously hear about those days back to back to back because essentially, like, I think we all left that Baltimore game. I know I was like thinking, and we talked about it, like this team has a legit chance to get to Vegas. Like it just felt like that. And then it felt like the world was crashing down around them like two days later. Well, plus Dan, you can, you can, you know, just shrink it down into, Deshaun Watson coming back against Baltimore with a season with a season ending fracture in his shoulder at the time. I mean, if you just put it in that one sentence, you can smush it all together like that. Okay. This would be a back to backer for Watson, by the way, if he wins the Watson suspension was the defining moment uh, last season. There were some others as well, but that was, that was what we decided on. Okay. So what else do we have? Ashley, you want to go or do you want me to go? I can go. My other one that I was thinking of is the Jets game where they clinch a playoff spot because I do think it's interesting. We've already heard like Andrew Barry talk about this extensively, how like that's the kind of environment they want to have. Like everyone talked about how that, you know, I think the the postseason environment or playoff environment is like one of the most overused comparisons in sports. But like Andrew Berry talked about, that's probably the closest thing that 
you know, they've gotten a chance to see to that in Cleveland. Like, what would it be like to host a home playoff game? And you think about the energy and Nick Chubb coming out and smashing the guitar in the Batman mask and some of the crazy plays Joe Flacco made with a guy holding onto his face mask and making an amazing throw anyway. Like, to me, it's like I was between thinking of the Baltimore game and the Jets game as like the two games I'm really going to remember from this season. Uh, and I'm glad that the Jets game this year is for a very different reason than the Jets game last year. We nominated it for in a different category that we're going to get to very shortly. That's a good one. Um, I, I have some other ones too. So Mary Kay, why don't you make your nomination and then we can throw out other ones and see if there's anything else that kind of piques our interest here. Uh, yeah. You know what? I, I went with the defining moment of the season for me was when they dialed up Joe Flacco on his couch in South Jersey and found this unbelievable quarterback sitting at home and on Tuesdays and Thursdays going down to the little league fields and throwing the ball to his dad at different spots on the field. His 62 year old former running back for Penn state dad, just throwing the ball to a spot to a spot, to a spot, which I actually think helped his accuracy a ton. Even though he was already very accurate, I think by the time he got back out there on the field, repping it over and over and over it again like he was doing, just was helped him so much. So I think that moment right there, when we talk about defining moment, I think you have to look at the season as a whole and how it turned out and what happened that season. And the reason why they made the playoffs and they saved the season was because of that moment right there. And I know we already gave him an award, but I just think that that is also the defining moment of the season. That's all anybody talked about for the rest of the season it's all anybody in the NFL was talking about for the rest of the season. He was the feel-good story of the season. And it changed the season completely. And I think if you look at, there are other, there are other moments that were key moments in the season. I mean, you could look at the third game of the season when Deshaun Watson took that hit and suffered the strained rotator cuff. That's, that's, kind of a defining moment too, but it would have been more of a defining moment had the season gone into the tank and stayed there for the rest of that year. You know, you could look at the Deshaun Watson being, you know, suffering the broken bone in his shoulder as a defining moment, as the defining moment of the season. But I don't think it really defined the season because they pulled out of it. They overcame it. They overcame it. And the reason they overcame it is because they went out and did this thing that was almost near miraculous. They got a guy by the name of Joe Flacco that came in and led the NFL in yards from week 13 on and was tied for second with 13 touchdowns and went four and one and helped them clinch the playoff. They're only their third playoff berth since 1999. To me, 
that was the defining moment of a season in which they actually went on to make the playoffs. So I think that's it. That's a really good argument. And that was the... (laughs) That was the one thing that kind of had me second guessing myself on the Watson thing is like the Watson thing was so bad, but the season was a good season. So like can the defining moment be your starting quarterback suffering a season ending injury? I I don't know. Like if we're, if we're telling the story of the season, obviously that's one of the things that's one of the first things we're going to talk about, but it does feel like Joe Flacco getting here is a more defining moment probably if we're if we're trying to frame what this season was yeah Joe Flacco was probably maybe not even probably that was that's kind of it right there by the way I'm just looking through some old rewards old awards and I thought this was funny our defining moment because I wanted to look up when you mentioned the injury the one year we did give an award to the Baker Mayfield interception where he took the hit on the shoulder um but that year that was the biggest miss i guess i don't know why we called that the biggest miss our defining moment that year was odell beckham senior posting a sideways video on instagram so that's (laughs) one of our one of our best awards um but ashley i'm always second guessing myself on everything that's just (laughs) the story of my life and now mary Kay just really has me second guessing myself here on this uh on this defining moment discussion Yeah, I'm voting with Mary Kay on this award. I think she made the argument so nicely. And I think because of how I made the argument for Joe Flacco uh, earlier on this very podcast, I think I have to change my vote and side with her on this one because it's for basically all the same reasons. I think it's okay for a guy to get multiple awards in some capacity on this made-up award show that we make up the rules and categories for. So I definitely agree. I think big picture talking about, you know, what's the story of this season? Like what would be the first thing I tell somebody about this season in 10 years? I think I'm going to look back and be like, Oh yeah, that's the year they went and got Joe Flacco off the couch and somehow still made the playoffs. So I think Mm -hmm. this is the right. Some other just sort of moments that, that aren't going to trump either of these. Um, I thought about the miles Garrett game in Indianapolis that I mean, you know, and then he goes on to win defensive player of the year after that just insane game that he basically um, took over uh, that. So that was that was one that I had um, the Baltimore game, the first Baltimore game again, though, you know, obviously these are loose. These aren't things that are going to win. But um, the first Baltimore game, which kind of led us to that backup quarterback discussion. Um, so those are some of the other kind of moments I had in my mind. Um, this was not a defining moment, but the Nick Chubb injury. So those, those those were just some other moments. Were there any other kind of moments you guys had bouncing around in your head? I think Joe Flacco is going to win this. Um, I think Mary Kay swayed me. But um, <laughs> but were there any other moments that, that were kind of bouncing around in your head as like significant or like we need to mention this? No, I think we covered it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Our defining <laughs> moment is picking up the phone and calling Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco cleaning up here in the, uh, the second part of our orange and brown talk awards. Okay. It is time. The biggest to miss. This is a very broad category, but again, looking back at previous awards, the way we've defined this is a play or a game that led to the most regret. So like the one year we gave it to the Baker Mayfield interception that he got hurt on um, last year. I'm looking at it here. It was very obvious. It was the Jets game. Um, 
featuring none other than Joe Flacco. So biggest miss. I've there's been a lot of consensus on this podcast, and I'm worried we're gonna just have more consensus on this one, which is fine. We can't fake it. But the biggest miss, who are we up to here? I went first on that last one. Mary Kay, I think you went on Ross. So Ashley, I think we're up to you here. I mean, I think this is like too obvious that I'm worried I'm getting it wrong somehow in this made up awards. But like the biggest miss for me is the Houston game. Like, of course, that's the game that is going to lead to the most regret. I think, you know, ultimately the playoffs, it's easy to look at it now and be like, oh, yeah, of course, Kansas City was going to turn it on and win the Super Bowl. But I think if these Browns would have stayed in it, anything could have happened. I think just knowing that Joe Flacco's two pick sixes in that game, you know, turnovers had plagued them all year. They couldn't find an answer for it. The defense just didn't show up for most of that game, which was really odd. Um, So for me, that has to be the biggest miss because it was what ended their season. Mary Kay, we made predictions in our game preview about how far the Browns would go in the playoffs. And like the, the most tame prediction was them losing to Baltimore in the AFC championship game. Like we had super high expectations for what this team was going to do in the postseason. We had realistic thoughts that this team was going to ride this defense and Joe Flacco all the way to Vegas. We were thinking about like, Oh my God, what's that trip going to be like? <laughs> and then it was just over. Yeah, it was just, and, and I think like there aren't a lot of moments like this. But there are moments in football where you feel, I think, as a, as a reporter, where you're like an outside observer, where you feel the exact same thing that fans feel, the players feel. And I think the Deshaun Watson injury was like this. Um, you just feel that shock or you feel that like, oh, it just that's it. We're done here. And that that's what it felt like in Houston. That's what it felt like as that game was going on. And then. A few hours after the game, I'm getting on a plane flying home and it's like, oh, well, I can clean out tomorrow. <laughs> it was just this this shock of what happened. So I think this has to be the answer. I can't I don't think there's anything else on par with this one. No, not at all. This is it. Absolutely. One hundred percent. This is it. Um, and again, I mean, maybe we would have had a a different answer if the score had been 35 to 32, but I still don't even think so. I still think that going to Houston and losing to a rookie quarterback, albeit a very good one, a rookie quarterback and a team that was not even supposed to make the playoffs when the Browns had the number one defense in the NFL and all these other great things going on. um, And they were favored on the road. And uh, you know, I I just think that uh, everyone underestimated uh, so many things about that game. And it absolutely was the biggest miss of the season. There's no way they should have gotten their tails kicked like that. It was an embarrassment. It was really an embarrassment. And who knows? I mean, it may have uh, led to the wiping out of, of the offensive coaching staff. But, I mean, I don't know why it would have. But, you know, maybe some of those changes came because something had to be done after such a horrific loss like that. Well, and I mean, I think you're right. Like, if they go to the AFC Championship game, it's a lot harder to just clean out one side of the ball on your Mm -hmm. coaching staff. Right. Let's say they go to, or let's say they go to Baltimore the next weekend and they lose on a Justin Tucker field goal. Like it just, I do think that had like a lasting impact. And we talked about this after in 2020 when they lost to Kansas city 
uh, when Patrick Mahomes missed the last quarter and a half of that game. Like, man, that was such a missed opportunity. Like, you had a chance to beat the Chiefs and go to the AFC title game, and you missed it. And who knows when you'll be back. And it turns out they didn't get back again to the playoffs, at least until three years later. Now, I don't think that's going to happen with this team, but you just never know. And they had something special. They were riding this wave. And then to go to Houston and lose that football game when in a year when everything was still pretty much wide open, granted it ended up being Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs that won it in the end again, but it still was a very wide open conference. Like this really felt like a missed opportunity. And I think they'll be back, but you never know who, who knows where this is going to go. So I don't know. Yeah. Ashley, you got to go first here. I think you nominated the winner it's just, I just can't get that thud, that thud out of my mind when that game was over. Like, I don't, that shock. I think that's true. I mean, and we've talked about this the last couple of years, right? Like, you don't know, you were getting at it, Dan. You don't know what windows look like in the NFL, how long those windows are going to stay open for a team's chance to realistically win a title, right? Like, we've talked about the last couple of years, was Buffalo's window 13 seconds against Kansas City a couple of years ago? I mean, maybe, you know? It's like, it's hard to tell. So I do think, like, again, it just felt like there was something so special brewing. We all felt it in that building. There was a reason we were so confident in saying, eh, this team's going to Vegas, or like you said, conservatively, this team might lose in the AFC Championship game to Baltimore. But yeah, it just was this really weird and abrupt ending for a season that felt like it was on a really unique and special trajectory for them as a group. Now, for the purposes of conversation, and this is a far, far, far distant, distant second, third, fourth, but just so we can talk about another moment that you could at least put in this category like we have been doing, as I was brainstorming uh, you know, ideas for this, uh, one of the things that I did come up with was um, like absolutely whiffing on the possibility that maybe Deshaun Watson really wasn't going to be able to play against the Baltimore Ravens uh, on October 1st or whatever that that was uh, in Cleveland when all of a sudden he had to take himself out of the game and they had to start their rookie fifth round pick against the Baltimore Ravens for whom the moment at that time was too big. He found out two and a half hours before the game he was starting. So I think this deserves a little bit of an honorable mention. Something just didn't go right that whole week in the communication, in the execution. It just was, it was just not good all the way around. I think that five weeks should maybe just have its own like moment here on the orange and Brown talk awards. It should be like a special special mention here just that five weeks from that week leading up to the Baltimore game when we went out to practice and realized wait the starting quarterback isn't throwing to just that mess before the Baltimore game to Andrew Barry saying yeah he'll be good to go against San Francisco basically and then he doesn't play for another three games right like uh, that Indianapolis well he did play he played the Indianapolis game for a quarter and looked was not ready that five weeks to me probably just deserves its own like special mention or special section in mm-hmm. these awards because it was so, it was such a surreal like set of weeks where just nobody seemed to know what was going on. Nobody was communicating effectively. We'd had no idea when and if Deshaun was going to come back when he did try to come back. It was awful. Yeah, that was, if we want to, 
we can even go back and just throw that in as a nominee for a defining moment. Like just the five weeks from when Deshaun showed up at practice and couldn't throw until he finally came back. Was it against Arizona that, that he finally yeah. came back against? Like that was, yeah. that was such a surreal month. Right. I mean, it feels weird that we don't have an award for any of that because it was so big. But I don't think, again, that it was the defining moment because they overcame it, right? So I still do think that signing Joe is the defining moment. But the, the whole Deshaun Watson saga with the shoulder injury, it, it, you're right. It, it almost feels like it deserves something and we don't really know what to give it. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's one of those, like, again, I just, I remember standing out there at practice and all of a sudden a couple of us are like wait a second starting quarterback's not even throwing the football right now what is what are we missing what is happening and then we just go we go out there on that friday and i remember he threw the ball like one time and then just stood back with the training staff and watched for the however long we were out there like it was just it was bad and the communication from the team was bad Deshaun said he was going to play and then didn't. It was just, everything was a mess. Everything was a mess. Those weeks were horrible covering this team. Like, I mean, we just really knew nothing going in week in, week out. Nothing else mattered because the only thing that mattered was Deshaun Watson's status. Like, is he going to be able to play? So I do think, like, maybe we need to add a category, like, craziest the moment or I don't know like there, this needs to be its own special like we need a like what are those awards called at the award shows like lifetime achievement awards like we need a weird equivalent of that this weird standalone award where there's not other nominees it's just we give it to something for being what it was the best at what it was and this year it happened to be the craziest month of the season was Deshaun's injury that was that was a really awful five weeks. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was, it was like Groundhog's Day. Just yes. the same thing every week until Kevin just decided one week he was going to name PJ Walker the starter. Yes. But it was like, it took like just three weeks every to week. even get there. It was horrible. Yeah, it, it was, was. It was Groundhog Day. Ground, Groundhog? Groundhog's Day? Groundhog's <laughs> yeah. Day. There we go. Yes. Um, okay. So, our second part of our awards, most likely to break out, Deshaun Watson. Best acquisition, Joe Flacco. Worst roster move, no backup quarterback, not addressing backup quarterback. Uh, defining moment, calling Joe Flacco. And the biggest miss, the Houston wildcard game. And then a special mention to five weeks of Deshaun Watson, will he, won't he, from about the end of September until early November. Uh, so that will do it. If you missed the first part of the awards, Hit our feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just go back about two weeks. You'll find the first part of the awards there. Uh, and, of course, any other podcast you missed, it's all sitting there. We actually kind of, almost by accident, did kind of a fun little Super Bowl series this week where we went through the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and how it impacts the Browns, what they can learn, all of that. So uh, go back and check that all out, too, if you missed it. Become a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page there. Uh, you can also become one of our texters. Find us on Instagram, Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. You can actually, uh, if you prefer to listen to our podcast there, you can listen on that YouTube channel too. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 